0: so for the past two weeks uh, we have talked about hands in our first message we asked a question on january 1st what would we do with our hands in this new year we said instead of wringing our hands in fear and sadness we should fold them in prayer asking god to put his hands around our quaking heart and calm us and assure us of his presence. We said instead of clenching our fists in anger and letting that control our heart and mind, we should fold them in prayer and ask God to pull us back from the brink of hatred, malice, revenge, and self-serving feelings of superiority and find our value in him. We said, instead of shaking our finger in judgment and looking down on others, we should feel the hand of God touching us with his mercy and his forgiveness and lifting us from our failures. And we said, instead of waving them in disregard, disregard for others, because we don't want to be bothered. We should remember how God reached out to us when we were His enemies. And we should take His hand and walk through this world knowing that we are loved and that we should in turn love others. Then last week we said before we can stop living in fear and sadness, before we can stop letting anger control us, before we can stop being judgmental, before we can stop looking at others as just being a bother to us in our lives, before we can let God use our hands in this new year, there's something we have to do. And if we fail to do it, we're probably going to end up going through this next year with nothing really having changed. We talked about the fact that what we need to do is to let go of our past. Because if we don't, we will not see or appreciate the good that God has given us in the present, and we will spoil the good that we have in the present because we keep dwelling on the past. In other words, don't grip your hands around the past. Let it go so you can hold the good of the present and anticipate the good that God has for you in the future. So now, today, I want once more to talk about hands. And what we're going to talk about today is really the underlying theme of those first two messages. And this is going to be a little different in its presentation. It'll be, I don't know, maybe kind of feels more like a devotion. But there's some important important things here. So before we get into this, let's uh, go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Our gracious Father, we come to you now desiring to be encouraged and motivated in our lives, drawn closer to you and made more aware of what we need to do in our lives. Father, I pray that you would speak through this and that what is done here will honor you. Be with us now, Father. May we hear. We ask it in your son's name. Amen. As I mentioned during the prayer time, there is a story in the news And I'm sure a lot of you, if not all of you, have been following it. Her name is Athena Brownfield. She's four years old. She's been missing for days now. Her caregivers, husband and wife, have both been arrested. First of all, for child neglect. And the husband has already been charged with murder. She hasn't been found yet, but now they're searching in bodies of water. <coughs> when I began this sermon, uh, it had not gotten to that point. And I held out this hope that, uh, you know, that she would be found. But I have to admit, I had that worst fear that the worst would happen. I remember thinking to myself, and I wonder if and maybe you thought this before you knew the worst. Don't you wish? Don't you wish that you could have, you know, fi- find this little girl, take her little hand, and lead her home? Walk her home. Home. To a home where there's loving arms waiting to hold her. To a home where she would have no fear. To a home where she is valued above everything else. To a home where she would Never be alone. Don't you wish you could take your little hand and walk her home? Well, my friends, there is someone who wants to take our hand and lead us home. To a home where the Father's loving arms are waiting to hold us. To a home where we will never again have fear or doubt or confusion. There is someone who wants to take our hand and lead us home to where we will be valued above all. To a home where we will never be alone. Someone who wants to take our hand and lead us home. To a home. Where we will forever be home. In your bulletin today, the word to grow by. And I hope all of you noticed that this was in there two weeks ago. But I wanted to put it in again. And I want to read it to you. His tiny hands no doubt squeezed his mother's finger. His hands no doubt held his dad's as they walked about. His hands surely held the tools in his father's carpenter shop. His hands touched the earth and the trees and the flowers that he had created. His hands reached out and beckoned simple fishermen to follow him. His hands touched blind eyes, and they saw the beauty of his world. His hands touched a dying little girl and held her hand as she rose to play again. His hands healed a leper and gave life to a friend who was in the grave. His hands held a child as he proclaimed that the kingdom of heaven was such as this. His hands held the bread and the cup as he spoke of his impending death. His hands were clasped in prayer as he cried in the garden and submitted to his father's will. His hands had touched the lame, the broken, and the sinful with compassion. And then he spread his hands on the cross and he loved the world he had made. That someone was Jesus. He stretched his hands out on the cross and loved us. And now, each day, he reaches out to us. He wants us to take his hand because he wants to lead us through this world of sin and strife. He wants us to take his hand because he wants to lead us through the darkness. He wants us to take his hand because he wants to lead us through our doubts and our questions and our confusion. He wants us to take his hand because he wants to lead us away from our temptations. He wants us to take his hand because he wants to lead us through those times when we feel like failures. He wants us to take his hand because he wants to lead us through our weariness and our weakness. He wants us to take his hand because he wants to lead us onward when we feel like giving up. He wants us to take his hand because he wants us. He wants to lead us beyond a mundane life to a glorious life. He wants us to take his hand because he wants to lead us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He wants us to take his hand because he wants to lead us from death to eternal life. But there is a question we must answer. Excuse me. There is a question we must answer, and in fact, we will answer it every day. In one way or another. And the question is simply this. Will I take his hand and let him lead me? Will I get caught up in the chaos of the world around me? Or will I let him lead me beside still waters? Will I bury my head and my heart in doing what I want to do with my life? Or will I let him lead me to what he wants to do in my life. Will I take pride walking in my own wisdom? Or will I humble myself and let me, let him lead me with his wisdom? Will I worry and stress over what I think people think of me? Or will I take his nail-scarred hand and find comfort in what the Lord thinks of me? Will I find my value in what I have? Or will I take his nail-scarred hand and find my value in his love for me? Will I look at others and focus on what I don't like about them? Or will I take his hand and feel his heart of love and compassion flow through me? Will I try in my own strength and power to make changes in my life? Or will I take his hand and surrender the control to him. Will I strive and stress to be what I think others want me to be? Or will I take his hand and let let him lead me to what he wants me to be? Will I be absorbed in the world And allow it to control my heart and mind? Or will I take his hand and let him lead me through this world into the presence of the Heavenly Father? And that is the question. In my home, in my work, in my relationships, in my aspirations, in my priorities, in my emotions, in my struggles, in my life, will I take his hand and let him lead me. Probably most of you have heard the name Thomas Dorsey. <clears throat> If you have, or if you haven't, we typically associate that name with the band leader from the 40s, Tommy Dorsey and his band. But there was another Thomas Dorsey, Thomas Andrew Dorsey, born in 1899 in a little town in Georgia. He was a black man, and his his, uh, father was a revivalist preacher and they moved from that little town in Georgia to Atlanta and as Thomas grew older he became enamored with the blues and began to learn to play the piano and ended up playing in vaudeville theater and then his family moved to Chicago and he attended the college of composition and arranging. And soon he was on stage under the name of Georgia Tom, playing barrel house piano and leading jazz bands. Then in 1921, he attended a Christian convention in Chicago and he accepted the Lord as savior. And he began writing gospel songs and trying to get them published. And after about three years of sending out these songs and... no one ordering any of them, he kind of felt like going back to playing the blues. But he didn't. And gradually his reputation grew, and his work became known, he wrote hundreds of gospel songs. Then in August of 1932, while he was leading music at a Christian program in St. Louis, Missouri, he was handed a telegram bearing the words, your wife just died. He rushed to the phone and called home and all he could hear over the line was, Nettie is dead. A friend drove him through the night, and he arrived home to learn not only had his wife died, but their infant child had also died. He began to feel that God had done him an injustice. And he thought maybe he didn't even want to serve anymore. He didn't want to write any more gospel songs. But the next Sunday, while he was alone in a friend's music room, he said he had a strange feeling, a sudden calm and a quietness. He said his fingers began to manipulate the keys of the piano and words began to fall in place. A melody came. And he penned this song. We're going to sing it right now. You can stay seated. It appears little Athena has been cruelly taken from this life. Breaks my heart. sign know. There is someone who has taken her hand and is leading her home. Dear Heavenly Father. As we walk through this world, may we each take your hand and let you lead us home. Help us, Father, to hold tightly to you. No matter what we face, no matter what we deal with, let us hold fast to your hand whether we're home, at work, in our relationships, whatever our aspirations, whatever our struggles, Father, may we hold tight to your hand that you might lead us home. And we ask it in your son's precious name, amen. At this time, we're going to do what the Lord asked us to do. On that night, he was betrayed. He met with the disciples. And as I said in my word to Grew By, his hands took the cup and the bread. He gave it all a new meaning because now it represented his body and his blood. And he said, as long as you do this, as long as you partake of these, remember me. That's what we want to do this morning. So when you receive the cup and the bread, hold it. Turn your mind away from everything else. Think of his body. Think of his blood. His life given that you might have eternal life. And remember, as that first praise song we sang says, that line, He is my righteousness. Because of what He did, I have no righteousness of my own, but He has given me His. When I stand before the Father, I will stand in His righteousness because I have accepted his sacrifice for me. So if uh, Garth, uh, Ronnie, would you mind coming this morning? Would you leave us?